0: Here's what I'm thinking. What if we just use all that we've recorded as a Patreon bonus thing of like us catching up? Yeah,
1: I think so. Right? Okay. Yeah. So now I was it's kind like, of envisioning that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're like starting the episode. All right. Well, I'll have started it right when you said here's an idea, Okay. and then they'll they'll know immediately they should have been a patron and they could have heard all that banter. Yeah. Great. So so we're we're doing it now. This is this is it. Yes, it started probably about 30 seconds ago or so. <laughs> We're back!
2: Woo!
0: Oh, it feels good to hear that intro music again, huh? <laughs> Oh, I actually was listening to old episodes of the show in prep for this because I like kind of wanted to remember like the vibe, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, And I was it, it filled me with fear because I don't know if we can live up to the episodes we've already done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm scared no, <laughs> to climb that mountain
1: again. You're intimidated by 2021, Sam. Yeah, he played a lot of root and I've, you know, I took a oh. couple months off. I mean,
0: I played okay. some root. Uh, honestly, I played some IRL root with Wimmies if you are in the Portland area, get a hold of me. We will figure out a way to play some root together. Uh there's some great root nights at some of the local game stores here that I've been going to uh and I'm trying to get something going at my work. We'll see what happens. Um but yeah, I've been playing some root but not I'm not as inundated with all the root yeah. as I was. In the past.
2: Yeah, I feel a little bit similar um since taking time off to uh, get really insanely good at chess. Uh however, we've played a couple of games here in Brooklyn with some whimmies and with some uh special guest stars from all over the place. Actually, we have one international slot just kind of saved at every root table. Uh we had Opie's funeral from Canada visit us for the first one. No way. Uh, and then we had a player from France come. All the way in and, and participate as well, which is Wait, great. Wait, what?
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. That's awesome. I played Root outside this summer. It was like oh, at a game store great. where there was like a back garden, and so I played like Root in a garden, which was really cool. Where was this? It's Cloud Cap Games
1: in Selwood. Oh, very nice. Yeah. They have a back area now. Yeah, it's really I remember big. that place from when I lived in Selwood. Yeah, I'm friends yeah. with the owner. I'm glad they're still around. That's great. Yeah, well, I was busy raising a human, and I played (laughs) zero games of Root. And I know exactly how you feel about kind of being intimidated, and I didn't really think about it until, honestly, you brought it up. But now, when I'm looking at the outline for the episode and some of the things you proposed we talk about today, I had to mentally go through my head and be like, do I remember all the factions in this game?
0: I thought about doing Root for (laughs) like, back to school. (laughs) Like... (laughs) the blank dynasties you know what i mean (laughs) and well and today we're just coming back yeah and that's actually what this episode's all about is comebacks don't call it a comeback except for that's the title of this episode we're coming back (laughs)
2: do in fact call it a comeback yeah 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. i do feel like this is something that happens in root like Almost every game in my mind. There are some games when somebody gets ahead and stays ahead, but I'm going to be honest. The crabs in a bucket energy of Root makes it almost guaranteed that whoever's leading is going to get trounced, and then someone who's had a tough game up to that point is going to find their path back into the lead and win the game. I mean, your analogy
1: works because they're just going to claw their way back in, right? That's right, over the um, over the dead bodies of their friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's poetic.
0: You just need a little boost, <laughs> little corpse boost.
1: Mm-hmm. Corpse mm-hmm. ladder, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Right,
0: right. Um, but before we kind of dive into what is a comeback, uh, you know...
1: Why would does, you want to come back? Why would
0: you want to come back when it's been so nice hanging out with your baby? We've got some... <laughs> All right, uh, right now, just dropped today. This is hot off the presses, folks. Good Time Society has a how to play Ahoy video. Oh Ooh. boy, Ahoy. Jake, Ahoy being the newest leader game, an asymmetric I don't know if it's a war game, but a swashbuckler swashbuckling game. Jake, (laughs) uh, you obviously know how to play it because you made a video on how to play
1: it. Yeah. What's it all about? Oh, it's a blast. It's uh, a different kind of asymmetric layout than root. You have uh, two players each who play different uh, factions. The Bluefin Squadron have patrols and they make strongholds and they like kind of tank up uh, on the islands. Whereas the Mollus Union have a bunch of uh, cards that they can enact different battle plans and they have a few like really fast ships. But meanwhile, there's two smugglers that can also are are taking cargo from different islands under the noses of both of those factions and delivering them to other factions and other islands and when they do that they gain fame as well so it's all a big competition for fame it's a swashbuckling asymmetric game of glory it's super fun
0: yeah and if you want more info just head over to good time society watch that video where it's described much better (laughs) yeah by the same person but a person who's probably had a little bit more sleep all right we've got man
2: ahoy sounds super fun yeah
0: uh, next item on Root News is that The Songs of the Woodland Volume 2 was released in August. But that's Root
1: News for us because we've been off for a while. <laughs> that's that's a new catchphrase I didn't realize we had. That's Root News to us. <laughs> hey, that's Root News to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a terrific uh, little compilation record featuring a, a ton of whimmies and uh, people from all over the Root content creating community um uh, there's a surprising amount of crossover maybe not so surprising but a lot of crossover between root players and musicians and uh yeah go hear their work songs for the woodland volume two big shouts to opie's funeral for bringing the whole thing uh to fruition and also contributing a totally kick-ass song uh go check it out it's on spotify it's on Bandcamp. and uh yeah pitch a couple bucks over to uh, opie's funeral if you like the stuff you know yeah
1: it's great I'm waiting patiently for you to promote one of the other songs, The Stoic yes. Protector song. My shield is my weapon. Yeah, I've I contributed. Yeah, I contributed Wait, a song. Kyle, you contributed to this? Not only did he contribute yeah. a song, it's really good. I like it. And I'm not just saying that just because we're on the podcast and I need to promote you as my friend. It's solid. Yeah, thank you. I was uh
2: I was pretty pretty happy with how that one came out. I thought it was
1: pretty fun. It's got and, a synthy beat to it. it kind of transitions from something a little more folky. You were assigned a you were assigned
2: a hireling? Yeah, this whole album is based on the hirelings of Root. And so each songwriter got uh, one of the hireling factions and not like both sides of the card, just one side. So I got the stoic protector um, (laughs) who who looks like a pretty chill guy, but, you know, it's like a giant deer God. (laughs) Yes, he protects his clearing, but he also marches around and just removes warriors by walking. So that sounded pretty scary to me. So I picked, like, kind of, like, a heavy, like... March beat because he's chill, but
1: he's also coming. You got to get the hell out of the way. He feels like so. the principal in a middle school just roaming <laughs> the halls, much, taking yeah. out kids, running around yeah. between <laughs> yeah. classes. I
0: don't want to go doser. to school where you went to school, Jake. It's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Yeah, you got to enroll that kid in a different school.
1: <laughs> he'll be used to the trench bowl like I was.
0: <laughs> also, in root news, we've got several uh, digital leagues came and went the digital leagues uh go quick and so congrats to all the winners and all the participants they kind of go too quick for us to keep up on but uh a very cool uh thing that's going on on the woodland warriors discord so go over there and check that out if you're interested
1: just a real quick recap they're running uh their own leagues outside of the actual element of root digital but they're like tracking it elsewhere
0: yeah yeah so it's all tracked on the woodland warriors discord you kind of like uh sign up with other people that are in the league and then you like arrange games and you uh you know keep track of how they went and stuff it seems like a really cool group of people i've got to, i've got to check it out i've been putting it off for too long
1: Yeah, uh, if anybody wants to report in on that and let us know uh, if there are any juicy stories coming out of there or specifically fun moves or replays we can look at, we'd be happy to show them off because we were gone for so long. We missed all the ESPN of of Root. Yeah, and that's all
0: the Root news. That's all She Root. (laughs) I'm trying that out. And that's all She Root.
1: (laughs) Just trying it out. Okay. I mean, Murder, She Root is one of the best handles on... Thank you. Any of the discurs. Totally agree. Uh, it's more confusing in
0: the other discords I have, you know, when they are <laughs> like, uh, this is a mothership discord. Why are you murder, she root? You know what I mean? Uh, all right. So let's get into the meat and potatoes and salt and pepper of this episode. Oh We're talking about comebacks, baby.
1: Woo.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something you got to keep an eye on if you're playing a game of root, because like something I la- always like to say about root is that. Hope is never fully lost. Mm -hmm. This is a game where you just don't throw in the towel because anything can happen. And so it's important to have that hope inside of you. Let that little flame. (laughs) However, we need to also have some kind of like analytical theories going on for this as well. Right. Because it's all fine and well to have like, I will succeed. Going on inside you. But you got to look for those opportunities. You got to find the way to come back. So that's the entire episode today. We're just talking about ways that you can look for the comeback. Look for that avenue. And it's not always what's going on on the board. Sometimes it's what's going on above the board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say a lot of the advice has to be above the board. But also, you're going to have to use the board as your uh, kind of like your basis of making these arguments. Even if the arguments are in questionable faith, you have to back it up with facts <laughs> on the board, right? So what is a comeback in route? Because as we all know with this game, the, the score tracker is pretty misleading. Just because you have the most points doesn't mean you're in the best position or in the lead in the players' minds, right? The classic example here is the Woodland Alliance can score a bunch of points in the late game, but they will struggle to have points in the early game. So is that a comeback, Jake? Yes. No, it's not. You failed. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the Trunchable. Now, all right. So when we're talking about a comeback, a true root comeback, at least in my eyes here, occurs after a faction has been like good and truly checked, right? Right oftentimes triggering one of their punitive mechanisms. See episode 30. <laughs> <laughs> the cats keep being stormed. You know, like one of the lizards, like double garden clearings being destroyed uh, or the your big old otter ball being dismantled. All of those things I would say are like a big true check that then sets the stage for now you have to find your comeback,
2: right? But just think about it this way. You can't come back until you're behind. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very bright side of life. <laughs> Don't, just remember, you can't commit revenge if you haven't yet been wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one talks about venge. We only talk about revenge. <laughs>
1: So, All right. uh, so bad news is good news.
0: Right. At least for this episode. If you want to be a, a comeback hero, you know, uh, <laughs> then you're going to have to get checked. I think one of the the hardest parts about being checked in this way uh, is is finding the time and the opportunities for the comeback. And hopefully by the end of this episode, we can explain what you can do and what you're looking for.
2: To be clear as well, like having your own point scoring kind of tempo being set back or your like presence on the board being you're removed, it does hurt you. But at the same time, your opponents now have more leeway to get further ahead. So ha- having a setback in a game is kind of doubly impactful where suddenly your opponents are like, Hey, I'm, I'm able to get set up now. Like it's going to be hard to break me if I get, you know, a full turn of no pressure to, like, get my stuff together. Um, So, it, you know, falling behind in a game can be really tough to come back from and root, especially if your opponents have a chance to get further ahead.
0: Right. And there's not, like, comeback mechanisms necessarily. A couple of the factions have, like, small stuff. Um, I mean, like, literally, like, there's some factions where it's like, if you're wiped off the board, you restart like this, but that's not going to help you like catch up, right? There's not like that same catch up mechanism. Like you, like in a quacks of Quedlinburg or something. Right. (laughs) Um, but what root does is has the right incentives. It doesn't make a ton of sense in the game of root. We've talked about this over many episodes to really target the person in last place. Unless they're just sitting on like four points of cardboard or something like there's nothing that your actions are somewhat wasted by policing somebody who's in last place. So that's what's kind of nice is when you do get checked, you need to make sure that the table knows that you are in last place (laughs) so that they start to use their actions in an efficient way against each other. Well, I mean, right. there also
1: might be a reason like you're in a spot they need. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's always not—it's not always that simple. So, I guess the the part of about alerting the table is what's key there, right? Is telling them that you you aren't worth it ever. Right. Yeah.
0: I uh, we'll get into this in a little bit. I've got this—the five stages of grief—kind of rethemed for making a comeback here. I call it the five stages of grift, and it's going to be a lot of alerting people of your position and your capabilities.
1: Well, I want to also, maybe before we dive into this, I want to wonder about making sure you're convincing yourself, because I've I've heard a lot of defeatist attitudes in Root sometimes about like, oh man, now I'm out of the game, and it comes from- that's my game. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at Kyle, Um, but- In this game, because of the scoring tempos that Kyle mentioned, especially because each faction has different ones, there's a fixed amount of turns you need to get to 30, generally speaking. And so when you see someone's far ahead of you and you're like, well, they're going to hit it before I can, and then that kind of starts the the spiral of negative thinking you need to remember that part of your objective isn't just to get to 30 it's also to slow them down and that may seem obvious but it's actually it's hard to forecast them being at lesser power because that mess that necessarily changes the balance of the board between you and the other two players does that make sense yeah
0: it yeah time is not on your side once your scoring tempo has been set back if none of the other three players or four players i'm open to five player games um has not been set back then you're at an extreme disadvantage cuz you're going to hit 30 on turn 9 and everyone mm-hmm. else is going to hit it on turn 7 right it's important to remember that root is a race game it is a race to 30 victory points there's not an mm-hmm. equal number of turns right so it's imperative that once you get knocked back that you start to take greedy actions to get caught up Kyle always talks about like being greedy with actions i think like when you're talking about building extra sawmills as the cats if you're like expanding into new territory or if you're the lizards if you're placing gardens that aren't like super defended if there's like two warriors there but you're like i gotta get gardens down i gotta start scoring points like that's just where we're at i think it's it's imperative that you recognize i'm behind i need to focus on my own engine and and kind of accelerate it past what i would usually do
2: yeah, we're, we're in for this point, it's very, very good to have a facility with your faction for this moment because you're gonna, your hands are gonna do one thing and your mouth is gonna do something totally different. <laughs> yes, yes. Because you're gonna be doing very greedy actions, right? Setting up undefendable <laughs> locations, <laughs> trying to just grab points where you can get them. At the same time, you're trying to convince everyone at the table to hit everyone else, mm-hmm. right? You're going to spotlight somebody else. Um, but just in terms of scoring points, there's a couple of different ways that falling behind uh, can impact your ability to score. And one thing that I think we should talk about is is actually crafting. Mm-hmm. Because if you are losing infrastructure while getting checked, that could potentially impact your ability to craft cards, which means everybody else at the table has more opportunities to craft those same cards. If there's only one you know, hammer in the game... Suddenly, you know, somebody else will have a chance to craft that. Or if there's only one sword left, obviously there's multiple copies. Uh, your here time is working against you because those points don't regenerate.
0: Yeah. And, you know, crafting is points that you need and it's points that you're denying from other people. So I think you're right, Kyle. I think when you've been checked and you're looking for that comeback, prioritizing crafting is an important thing. And as we said, we've already been given the license to kind of throw out some undefended stuff and kind of guilt the other players into not just taking it out. Um, Hopefully (laughs) to deny them the ability to score themselves. And hopefully that'll kind of start to uh, tilt the tables back towards us.
2: Yeah. I don't want it to seem like I'm advocating just like playing recklessly. Right. Instead, I think the way, the best way to frame it is What are the steps that you would take in a vacuum to get the most points Mm -hmm. like a turn or two from now? And if that requires a risk, like calculate the risk, you know, if you're going to give free cardboard to somebody else, obviously they're going to win even faster. Right. So like calculate the risk, but you got to believe a little bit that you are on the path to having a big swing back into the game. Yeah. You got to get those points.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of like the third in this, like, thing of, like, time is not on our side, we're going to have to craft, and then we're looking for a big swing back to relevance, essentially. Uh, It's important that we are, you know, it it could be the turn where it's like, oh, finally we're online and I'm going to be able to craft this and I'm going to take out some cardboard and clean it up. Um, But we're hoping to do this big swing right before the end game so that we are a relevant Player in the end game, so that it's like, oh, if so and so can't do it, then it falls to me, right? Um, you have to put yourself in that
1: position. Is it also fair to say you could have the swing in the end game and that's what you're depending upon? Because I feel like this timer and the timer and route goes faster than you think, it feels like every game, yeah,
2: yeah. It's possible to like plan out a big pop to hit 30 victory points right on the nose, like if you can, if you are able to calculate that.
1: Right. Well, for sure. I mean, the reason I'm asking about it as opposed to the mid game or before the end game, as as Sam just put it, is because I feel like then you may lose the the status as uh, smallest player and therefore draw heat too quickly.
0: I don't. I, I don't. It's situational. Yeah. I, yeah. It really is sure. situational. I don't sure. think that. I think you're best served by becoming relevant and and trying to fight it out from there. That makes sense. Yeah. uh just because in root there's too many unknowns that sure. i i don't think like holding back waiting stronger for the
1: end. stronger faster is better
0: right and i and i'm really advocating for like the penultimate turn you know like the end yeah. game is like the last round you know sure
1: sure okay yeah. that's well that's why well that's why i'm glad i asked them because that's why i want to differentiate is like y- you don't have time to make a surprise you have to get going right yeah yeah okay um in a
2: in a best case scenario it's the kind of thing where you get to the end of your turn you're gonna win if it comes back around to you and everyone at the table is like wait (laughs) they're a threat now i think that's like the if i'm understanding you right sam that seems like that's the best case scenario is like you set that penultimate turn up so well that now everyone has a big problem and they have to come deal with you or they have to like try and swing for the fences and win on their turn. You like finally put pressure back on the table.
0: Yeah. I think it's like, I think you just put yourself in a position to be on the list of people that will win on their turn. You know, turn order will determine and kind of like how the game plays out where you are in the line, but you just want to be in the line so that we can table talk our way to at least deal with the first person. It's not going to win. And then hopefully it can get to you. You know, there's too many unknowns in all of this
2: to give yeah. And game yeah, of yeah, Root advice. is like a crazy place for sure.
1: We're, we're talking abstractly today, like we have to in some of these subjects with Root, right? Yeah. I mean, we could give examples yeah, specifically. But- thing yeah yeah i mean we can give examples but we don't have a diagram to show everybody so it's going to be a little abstract but that being said we can talk specifics about what to look out for within each faction and uh and with a lot of scenarios right um so a big question
0: i think that you'd be asking yourself if you've been bopped and you need to get back in the game is how much policing should i do right like i have to claw these other players need to come back to my scoring tempo right i need to set three players back so should i be hitting all three of them
2: what do you think kyle i think you shouldn't bite off more than you can chew if you're the type of faction that can spare some warriors i would advise probably don't unless you can score a point or two really it's it's all about cardboard if you're behind uh so if there's a vulnerable clearing and you can justify it to the table like hey i'm doing my part Really, you're just there for the cardboard. uh, Then, sure, go for it. While you're kind of regenerating power that is, like, warrior density, I think it's typically pretty unwise to uh, go on an adventure. Um, In in four-player chess, there's this principle where you don't attack another player until your position is very safe. Like, you don't go on adventures until you're sure that your king is safe. And I I think kind of similar in this case, it's like you should be a little like reserved about how you're going to go and impact the table and only do so if it's going to immediately benefit you. Because if it's just the kind of thing like, hey, they have a big stack of warriors and that's scary. I'm just going to go punch it. (laughs) I don't think that that's like a recipe for coming back because you're diluting your own strength and helping out the other two players at the table. When really what you want is those other three or four to punch each other. Mm-hmm. And you get to just sit back and regather kind of force and strength.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a couple factions that can get away with it. Uh, the birds like have to battle a lot of the time. So like you said, prioritize those clearings where you can get some cardboard off of it. Badgers have to battle. Usually it's a little less flexible than the birds have to battle.
2: Right. But if you're in a clearing and there's one warrior from a faction and there's, like, five warriors from another faction, if you're the Badgers, you're going to pick the one if you're, like, behind and right. trying to catch back up, right? right? yeah. Because you need to keep those warriors on the board so you can rule clearings, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I, I think it's, it's important to prioritize keeping as much stuff on the board as you can for most yeah. factions.
0: And then, of course, the Vagabond um, can get points from killing warriors, so... Huge, not yeah, not a bad. I mean, place to battle for
2: sure. Even that though, like for infamy, I would say make sure you're thinking about cardboard, a kind of primarily yeah. because if you're going hostile with a faction, it's going to make movement more difficult in most cases. Like you, you want to make sure your options are open for that big swing. Yeah, so getting, I don't know, one point for a risky battle. To me, that's like a little bit Mm. too
1: much of a risk for not enough of a reward. You want to be setting yourself up for that big swing. That's a good point, because even though they're getting they're getting points for the warriors, it's not it could be worth the it couldn't be worth the engine slowdown potentially from the battle, is what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because like
2: how many turns how many more turns do you want to spend in the forest? Would be my question as
1: Vagabond. And you you probably won't if you really do have the lowest heat because of your situation. Because you've been bopped enough in the first three rounds where everybody's biased against you. Still not enough. Yeah. Still. <laughs> never, never enough.
2: Um, but if you are sincerely, truly behind and need to you know, find some way to score points, go for the softest target that you can find. Somebody that, you know, a, a warrior concentration that is going to not harm you. I would say that's like the thing to go for.
0: What about table talk? What are we? What are we saying as we're doing these things, Kyle? What? 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 What should we be we going into our like social game? Uh, prioritizing.
2: I mean, the thing that I've seen from from players who get checked really hard, they tend to try and withstand table pressure to do any policing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's the players that i've seen that have successfully come back are really firm about not deviating from their plan. Mm-hmm. Or if they are they are going to deviate it's only because it's going to extremely benefit them. Mm-hmm. But like if if the table is looking at you and they're like, "Hey, can you go over and like weaken that clearing <laughs> so that like I can come in and whatever whatever?" You could you just got to be like, "No. <laughs> I can't. I can hit you know, this clearing over here or just basically be like, "I can't." If I, my game's going to be over if I do that, yeah. so.
0: Should have thought I, of that before to... you punched me in the face, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you can, like,
1: you can throw some guilt back at people and be yeah, like. Uh,
0: oh, then you're really not going to like the next section, Jake.
1: No, well, I don't mind throwing <laughs> guilt. Actually, I'm not opposed to that. I, I, I actually, I'm fine with that. I'm just saying, I think what we should also be highlighting is, you know, don't, don't talk about yourself. Uh, You should be throwing all focus Mm -hmm. on those other people. Like you are not this. You shouldn't be the subject of the sentences. You want to be irrelevant. Spotlighting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, spotlighting so much that you they forget you even are a spotlight option. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. are just the spotlight operator. Yeah. (laughs) That's so good. We're not even on stage. Okay. (laughs) You're 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 not relevant on the table anymore. So you don't. What what you are saying while you are making your moves is how else are we going to stop the birds from doing what they're doing? Mm -hmm. It's not talking about what you're doing at all. Oh,
0: I love, uh, here, here's a great one. Here's just a little free piece of advice here. Uh, somebody's in the lead, you want them to be checked. They do anything, you go, ooh, that's a good move.
1: <laughs> okay, I, we've talked about this so many times with the table talk stuff, but like, I genuinely like complimenting people on good tactical moves. Oh, yeah. But Me I too. also like spotlighting in this way. Yeah. I just want you to know that when I'm doing it, both things are probably true. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it can be both. You can be impressed. Wow, they're really running away with it, huh?
1: You know? The most common <laughs> response for most of my friends is shut up, Jake. <laughs> trying to stay in the shadows. Damn it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's important. Be the spotlight operator. And then if you really need to throw throw around your weight, being just point out the fact that you might be playing spoiler to the other three players. Like I'm still a player in this game, but if push comes to shove and they are like coming after you or, or there's any kind of thing here, just point out that you have a vote over who wins as well.
1: Oh, your
0: actions do determine that. So if somebody's coming after you and they're like, sorry, I just need the points. I'm like, sorry, if I'm going to choose someone to lose, it's going to be you. Yeah, this musket has one bullet. Exactly. In it, okay? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a real
1: escalation of the table talk, right? Because this is a borderline kind of king-making scenario we're setting up. Is that is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah I would say like just yeah. just exercising your ability to to do so. Yeah, you 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 have that capability. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't.
1: I would. That's a last resort. But it. It's no, relevant. I think it's valid. Yeah. I especially when it's about your survival, is you kind of have to threaten you know i'll yeah. take you down with me you yeah. know yeah <laughs> you can storm the keep but i'm going to bring it down on top of all of us yeah
0: yeah yeah somebody's been watching rings of power all right uh did they really spend 1 billion
1: dollars on the rings of power yeah i guess so was that the budget a full billion i don't know about million. a billion i i feel Seems like, like i read that as a headline somewhere and now i'm wondering it's not I think true it's like
0: 600 million dollars or something
1: i mean if you if you include advertising like who knows well advertising is literally like the same number as the budget or something crazy like that amazon amazon bought television rights for lord of the rings for 250 million dollars in november of 2017 making oh, a five season production commitment worth at least 1 billion dollars yeah okay yeah, yeah five the rights seasons? alone are a quarter sure. mill, quarter bill quarter bill quarter mill no come on yeah quarter bill quarter bill Quarter bill, <laughs> lost all meaning. to Is me. is the show good? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's good. It better be. It's well made. It's oh, it's well not made. that.
0: It's not a billion dollars good, Jake.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm asking because it's you could a fine television. Program. So many well-produced, well produced, like so many well budgeted <laughs> shows. Instead of this,
0: uh, Amazon has not shown that they can do that. Actually,
1: Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could and would I guess are two yeah, different yeah. keywords there. I agree. It is definitely a program. It's a program. It's good.
0: (laughs) The most recent episode sold me on the show. I will say that.
1: All right. I was skeptical, and now I'm in. Okay. I will not be putting a link in the description. They do not. They have the marketing budget to figure out. (laughs) There's a lot of people who are like, it's not Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, and I'm
0: like, there are like two pieces of art or things in the world that are as good as Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. It's like the Beatles... (laughs) <laughs> and peter jackson's lord of the rings that's it those are the only two things on that echelon
1: also half of peter jackson's lord of the rings isn't good because the hobbit is peter jackson oh lord i know yeah.
0: yeah 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 the hobbit is garbage okay here we go speaking of comebacks <laughs> let's talk about the five <laughs> stages of grift okay much like the five stages of denial you're going to go through these things but hopefully by the end you can't accept what you cannot control. All did right. Do you mean the eight stages of grief? I think there's five stages of grief. But you said den- of denial. I said of grift. Denial <laughs> is the first step. You just read that.
2: No, no. He's... <laughs> All right. Yeah, the other three are um, <laughs> write a book documenting your experience. Um, give an interview about that book on a, a late night talk show, have that book adapted into a major motion picture that artistically addresses the themes of grief in a horror movie setting. <laughs> and then
0: sell classes about you writing the book that got turned into a series.
1: Okay. There you go. Yeah, start a master class. You can read our book <laughs> about this. I'll provide a link in the description. It's twenty nine ninety nine. It's a forty five page ebook. All right, so Jake, did you find
0: out that there are five stages of grief? Yes, there are five stages of grief. All right, and do you want to apologize
1: to me? Absolutely. I'm not <laughs> sure what I'm apologizing for. I just thought you I heard corrected you say the five me. St- you said there were eight. No, well, you, I yes, I was wrong on that. I I was thought you meant. I thought you had said the five stages of denial. I might have. It's just part five. They turned it into a
2: trilogy for some reason.
0: Part five, part one. <laughs> All right, here we go. The first stage, denial. All right. <laughs> we need to deny any help to the board, okay? We are closed for helping business.
2: Hey, Sam. Yeah. Um, look, I, I just have a lot of groceries in my car, and it'd be really great if if you'd lend a hand so I can get them all inside in one trip.
0: Should have thought of that before you stormed the keep. <laughs> That's what I say. Deny any help to the board, Okay you are the business is closed for you helping them out all right they've dug their grave now it's time to lie in it all right they've kneecapped you and you are under no social obligation to help them if they want to bargain hey that's different and we'll talk about that in step three but you know that you have to focus your own game to overcome the policing that has already been done to you full-on denial i cannot
2: help that problem is yours I like this twist on the stages of grief because I think I feel like the stages of grief it's like denial it's like you deny that anything had happened. Yeah. Right? You're just like yeah. I don't allow this to impact me in any mm-hmm. in any way. But in here it's like you're just denying everyone else's requests. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> Which I love. Yeah.
1: I think that's great. I need some me time right now.
2: <laughs> you put up a little force field of like the doctor is out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're changing your email,
0: what's that thing? Where it's like you're out of office <laughs> the, you you put that out office on that auto reply yeah exactly <laughs> which brings us right to our second stage anger okay we want to mm-hmm. show some sass okay <laughs> every aggression against you and your faction should be met with pithy anger all right <laughs> um Kyle you are the master of this we're going to have to get some like firsthand advice on this, but I've played against you many times where I have felt like, Oh boy, here we go. Like <laughs> here comes, <laughs> here comes the sass. I mean, the way Kyle specifically, I think I got this from you. The way you say no ambush, go ahead. Like so disappointedly <laughs> it should make the attacker feel like that. They've made a mistake by sinking actions into policing you. You know, like, if
2: you weren't dead in the water before, you certainly are now. (laughs) I do feel, like, a little bit called out by this. But it is 100% true that um, every time somebody comes after you, you have to kind of show the rest of the table that what this person is doing is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So hopefully everyone else will take the point and move on. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like... if like a like a fish or something in the wild has a bright orange spot, that's like, don't eat me, I'm poisonous. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to show a little sass back to people.
1: <laughs> I will, of course, caution against whining because there is a, a different level of expressing your anger. So make sure that your anger is pointed. I guess pithy, pithy, yeah, like. pithy, pithy's good.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think it's okay to be like. Okay, before you attack me, like, can we talk about this? Yeah, yeah, negotiate. I mean, cry, cry out about the injustice. Right. I don't, I think there is, it's kind of just, you just got to feel it out. But, like, there's a point at which you kind of push past good sportsmanship and into just pleading for your life, <laughs> which is, like, <laughs> awkward and not that fun. So, like, be be sensitive to that, I guess, <laughs> is is my advice here. But, like, yeah, don't, don't make people pay the wine tax for coming to attack you. Uh, right.
0: Speaking of the wine tax, the next—I uh, don't know if that actually relates to this, but it's how yeah, people I think transition.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that was—I think that was a great transition, <laughs> interrupted only by your self-doubt.
0: Great, uh, it's been a while. It's good to yeah. be back. You're doing um, great. All right, You're
2: doing fantastic.
1: Third
0: stage is bargaining. All right, this is where we're actively asking people to give us space on the board and time to recover. Like I've done this a lot. I bargain a lot. I go, this—I need this clearing. I just need like that doesn't sound like a
1: bargain. That sounds like a demand. <laughs> you uh, kind of
0: because you're the person in last place. You kind of do get to make some demands.
2: Yeah, you can you can frame it like this, Jake. You can frame it like this. And you can be like, okay, how about this? I'll take this clearing, and you can hit me two turns ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That brings us right into bitterness. <laughs> uh, well but well, here's why I'm asking Sam. Uh, is because like how are you bargaining at this point? Is you are you, you should be demanding, I guess, a little bit, right? You're setting yeah, I you think should be like, setting the standards by which the bargainings are opened. Yeah, I think you have the upper hand
0: in all the negotiations. Yes, sure. I think that's how you have to look at it. Because if somebody doesn't want to negotiate with you, it's like, oh, would you like to get dragged to the bottom of the scoreboard too? You well, know?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's maybe, but like, again, this is all very situational, but you don't always have the upper hand on negotiating if you are without power at the table as well.
0: Well, just because we're low on points and don't have a good engine doesn't mean we're without
1: power, and that's one of the beauties of Root. That's what I'm saying. It's like maybe we don't have the power at the table to hold much negotiation, right? Because you could say, I'm going to take this clearing, but can you actually even hold it from someone else who wasn't part of the negotiation? Here's the thing. You're a person
0: with not a lot to lose you're in last place so if i'm going to say i'm going to take this clearing if you want you can go after me but it's all it's what i need to get back online so i'm going to keep putting resources there you're not going to get it we're going to be in a forever war about this clearing and then you're not going to get what you want either (laughs) it makes sense to negotiate but I do think the person with less to lose
1: has the upper hand. I, I don't hear your negotiation. I hear you walking into the clearing, going, "This is mine now," and you can make a mistake about coming after me. Like <laughs> I, I, understand. I understand your tactic, but I wouldn't call it bargaining the way you're doing it.
0: I mean, that's that's how to strong arm it for sure. I mean, but you're <laughs> going to have to negotiate a lot of.
2: I, I think I think what you're talking about, Sam, is that there is some leverage in having nothing to lose. Yeah,
0: you you said there wasn't power in that position i think it's the more
1: powerful position from a bargaining spoon i think there's power in the position i 100 percent agree with you i'm saying you aren't necessarily guaranteed power in the bargaining just because of maybe your board situation like maybe maybe you think you can go into that clearing and 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 say i need this and this is going to be my thing and you've made an agreement with somebody but that doesn't mean you are strong enough to hold it from somebody else Yeah, they they could just come in and wipe you out, sure. Yeah, they might know that in the bargaining and use that against you. I guess my point is, is actually you do have kind of a lot to lose. Yeah,
0: I just think that, like, if someone's had been checked, had things taken away from Mm -hmm. them, that, like, the board is interested in getting that person back online.
2: I I also would think that Mm -hmm. you have a valuable service to offer to the other three players, which is, if we can temporarily... Uh, if, if we can make a temporary alliance, I can impact your primary opponent. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I feel like there's, there's some leverage that you can offer. And you could maybe, you know, get somewhere with Honey. Yeah, uh, a little bit. You could be like, okay, l- look, listen to this. So t- w- what do you need right now? To get ahead in your game, yeah, and then be like, "Well, the moles are are giving me trouble," and you're like, "Okay, great." So I noticed that like this clearing is right next to the moles. I'm gonna go set up shop there and be ready to hit them on my next turn. Okay, now if you come in and hit me in that clearing, I won't be able to help you deal with those moles in any way. But maybe we can work something out so that we can like share the space. Like I, I think there's like ways to frame it, kind of like what you suggested, Sam, where like. You can work together maybe with some people in a limited way, kind of find a limited partnership that'll get you ahead in the game. It's just a matter of like, be careful who you make a bargain with. I think if you make a bargain with the leader, you could be helping them just like win outright.
1: You know, I think you're making a really good point, especially in like when you are in second place, you are generally also looking at third and fourth place, seeing how they can help you get to first right mm-hmm. so you they're they're already looking at you after you've been dethroned right. and they're like okay how can i get you as sam just said how can i get you enough back online to work in my own favor mm-hmm. and so you plotting and taking a risky thing and saying i want to go here that's advantageous to them so i see i see what you're saying in that regard uh you should you should definitely use as much of your lack of standing as leverage as possible it's around roundabout i of think- saying that
0: I think that's why I'm like kind of framing it like I need this clearing rather than like I'm going to go over here and do stuff because that's a lot more of resources and stuff that we just talked about not wanting to spend. Right? Well,
1: I like yeah, I like what Kyle highlighted about that is that we're coming to the table looking to quote unquote help the others. It's, it's a little bit more altruistic as opposed to I need this now like the framing of that. I think uh, they both work. They're both valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're different.
0: different. It, yeah, you have to know which situation you're in. Yeah.
2: The last thing to keep in mind with bargaining is, for me at least, I, I always have to keep it in the back of my head that no one ever needs to follow through right. on their deals. Root is not a game where deals are binding. And you're in last place, so people will just turn on you if they feel like they can <laughs> win the game yeah. off of a bum deal. So... It's very important to know who you are at the table with. And if you're at the table with people that you don't know at all, I think it's best to try for like a limited version of bargaining. Prioritize being cautious. I would say.
0: Totally agree. I think this is another situation where other players have their engines on, more online than you do. So you can be like, all right, great. We're, we're a team together. You do the thing first. That's the only way I can trust this situation is if you go first. Cause I'm already behind. Why would I put myself out there to do that? And you shouldn't take a deal where you have to initiate the bond of trust. Because, yeah, like Kyle said, they're ahead. If they can use you to get even more ahead to be in first place and look like they're going to win, they should betray you. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what I
1: would do, you know, if you're trying to win the game. What if you have to, in terms of turn order, take the first move? What if it's it's on your turn and you made a deal? I wouldn't do the deal. Oh, interesting. So don't take the risk if it's if it requires you to uh, be the initiator. No.
0: I, again, I think that you have the best bargaining chip at the table, which is I have less to lose. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put myself in a position to lose more before other players put themselves in a position to do that. Okay. Moving on to the next stage of grift, depression. <laughs> take your turns quickly and solemnly. Every card you draw is a bad one. Lean into the comedy of your misfortune. Meanwhile, you're saving up craftables and plotting a big swing. Hmm? Yeah, <laughs> coins. Ugh, come on. I know, yeah. Ugh. Ambush, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't you don't say ambush. I have to say that because we're in an <laughs> audio <important>. format. <laughs> but like you should just like we said, you're the spotlight operator. So your turns go by like that. And they're uneventful. (laughs) If you can get away with it, you know, sometimes you're playing the molds and you have to worry about like what you're doing. You're the badgers. And you're like, how am I actually going to complete this turn? I get it. But if you can get away with it, I think quick and solemn turns of like, Oh, well, uh, next time, you know, you're always (laughs) like the game's already over for you. That's this is what you're exuding. Well, that's
2: my game. Yeah, yeah. Just to put a, like a little cherry on top, um, I think it's often fun sometimes if you're in this type of position and you are gonna, you're about to make like a pretty risky play. Is to kind of paint it like, well, I got to put it somewhere, so I'll just, you know. Yeah, but this is yeah. actually critical infrastructure for my like, <laughs> big swing turn that's upcoming.
0: hundred percent. That's a great call. I think, like, it's important... You'll notice that these uh, kind of emotions get sweeter as we go. At first, we're like, we will deny all help. And then we're like, I'm angry if you even touch me. You know what I mean? And at the end, we're like, oh, you know, it's not so great over here. Because somebody might be in a position to king-make somebody. And if you were too much of a jerk in the first two phases, then they might remember that and not choose you. So the the kind of, like oh it looks like it's totally out of it for me then people feel like well if i'm gonna choose somebody it's like let's give the surprise win
2: to you know solemn quick Everyone loves an underdog exactly exactly fit the part fit the part yeah elevate you yeah
1: what do you think jake (laughs) be subtle (laughs) some of you are not subtle (laughs) i've watched you in the winter tournament and you took up a lot of room, being real sweet and innocent, <laughs> and it wasn't very uh, persuasive. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, no, I agree with all this. This is very true. Uh, yeah. Like, also, I mean, there's just we've talked about social currency. You got to earn good, you know, credit at the table, and that's it, that's always to your benefit, generally speaking. Even though it's a game of war, they're they're going to be your enemy anyway. They already hate you. <laughs> they hate your faction, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. A word of caution about
2: depression, which is I think there's like we're obviously using it a little bit as like a mask for uh, trying to get back into the game. But I think there's a little bit of a um, a trap here as well, which is it sometimes can feel like actually bad to be behind in the game. And I would say that the worst uh, the worst thing you can do is like mentally go to sleep. During the game, oh if sure. You, yeah. If you feel like you're so you're so behind, like what what am I even gonna do? I feel like this whole episode is just about giving you things to actively do if you are in a situation when you are behind. And so, like, I'm just taking a moment right now to like n- never give up, guys. <laughs>
1: never. <laughs> yeah. do Don't it. believe in your own theatricality, is what you're saying. There's a psychological component of like being so depressed that you actually start to get depressed about it
2: yeah potentially Um, but but also just like I I think you will encounter some actual feelings of like ah man like this didn't go the way I wanted it to I'm like actually feeling a little bummed Uh, just remember to channel that into something active you're still in the game it's root anything can happen Uh, and in fact you can take those feelings and use them to very convincingly set up your comeback
0: this is actually the stage where I mess up if I'm in If I'm kind of using this method and I, you know, I've never like thought about it exactly like this when I've been playing, but I think I've used these tactics before. Depression is the one where I, I mess up. I, as the birds, I've already turmoiled in the game and I'm trying to take a quick turn and I'm like, what I do doesn't matter. And then I end up turmoiling again and for <laughs> sure close the door on my possibility yeah, yeah, of winning. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Instead of having an outside chance, I've actually shot myself in the foot and yes. done it. Um. So I, yeah, I think that's a good, good cautionary tale there, Kyle. It is, <laughs> we're, we're talking about using these emotions, but these are actually the emotions kind of that you're feeling. We're just <laughs> trying to remember, like we're trying to perform them to the most, advantageous point it doesn't we don't want to go too big because then people start to turn against us right we're trying to perform these emotions these tactics uh to their most competitive level absolutely
2: and avoid just the learned helplessness that comes from being bummed that something didn't go your way in the game right Learned Uh,
0: helplessness i like this and then of course the fifth stage of grift Acceptance. Comebacks are difficult in Root. And though it always feels like somebody, the leader always gets trounced, that doesn't mean, like we said before, what is a comeback? It means you've been set back. It doesn't mean that you've just been behind in points. And when you've been truly set back, it is hard to be the one who wins the game. Especially if the other players aren't going after each other, which again, is something that you're trying to influence socially you actually don't have control over it requires all the stars to align you can do everything right still not have enough in the tank to uh, get over the finish line you have to accept that this is a multiplayer game with interactive conflict and cold calculations might not be enough (laughs) let go of what you cannot change And set up another game. Let's go again right (laughs) after this one.
2: Namaste. Let's fight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That last advice is really uh, existential.
0: Yeah, well, it's more just like the point is like we have this guide about how to make a comeback. But so much of that is out of your control, which is anytime we've been kind of like arguing here on this episode. It's been about like, well, what if they perceive it like this? It's like because they're. The, the biggest factors are what the other players are going to do.
2: Uh, here's what I'll say. I think uh, w- one, one way to think about acceptance is just kind of like surf the wave of the game. And, you know, if you are open to the possibility of coming back and winning this game, strange things happen. You just got to mm-hmm. be alert to it. Sometimes if you push too hard, you end up bringing the whole house down on yourself.
1: Well, crazy things happen in Root. That's what's yeah. nuts. Is like people make hail marys that aren't you, so those can result in conditions you never would have.
2: Yeah, foreseen. a yellow brick yeah. road can materialize out of nowhere yes. occasionally.
1: <laughs> and honestly, they're the things that we talk about the most, right? We've mentioned this before, but there's you know there's no good tale without starting down in the trenches, so. If you find yourself in this situation, just be thrilled that you get, you're get you about to get to share it on Discord after you complete it. That is 100% <laughs> true.
2: I will say, so uh, an example of a game where I definitely came back from a, a fully losing position, I played the moles in uh, the winter tournament, I think two tournaments ago, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I had just had a, a really bizarre game. Like, did not do a great job. I had stacked up my moles in like two clearings that were very far apart. It kind of looked like I was going to go for a bird dominance play. But that just like never actually happened. And instead. It kind of looked like or you were thinking about it at one point. It just kind of looked like. I, I was. <laughs> yeah. If somebody brought it up. And then so I just kept threatening that that's what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Um, But it, it never happened. I was like I got checked. I was behind. I got to I don't know like 22 points or something. And I was just like well that's probably it. And then just a random series of events uh, took place. that like, everyone kind of got to 29 in front of me, and it got back around to me, and I was able to cross the finish line. And wow. I, I will say that wasn't like the biggest setback in the world leading up to that, but I was definitely losing. Right. I wasn't playing great, and I could feel that I was playing poorly. And so I felt like I had just lost the game. <laughs> but because I had taken such an odd path. I had a huge kind of like assembly of mole warriors in one clearing in the corner. Again, I was like fake going for a dominance play, like it was a bluff. <laughs> uh, why why that would be effective, no one knows. Uh, but I had this big stack of warriors and I was able to use that to go and kind of maraud around and gather enough cardboard to win. Yeah, This was cool. strange. But, uh, but it, it's about having the like, uh, the the awareness and the wherewithal to say like okay well what like what is in my arsenal right now what can I use to my
1: benefit here I I feel like it's also the awareness of not having awareness of all the possibilities because there's so many damn variables in this game yeah mm-hmm. that's true you can, you can get lost in the sauce for sure but even in the sauce that you know no one could have predicted because it's an irrational move by someone else
0: I mean yeah we I, I I've experienced several times of like, and I've been the player too, who's all set up to win. Like it is a foregone conclusion. You got it on your turn. And then you go too fast and you mess it up. <laughs> I've done it several times. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, that's why it's important to not like slip at any of the stages. Keep making progress towards that victory. Cause yeah, you never know what's going to happen. It's the miracle on ice. <laughs> Was that a comeback or just a close game? I can't remember. All right, um, here we go, folks. It's an unlikely victory. I'm not sure if it was a comeback. Yeah, name three sports comebacks. Anyone got any good sports comebacks? I can't think of one. Tanya
1: Harding. What? I, she did not come back from anything. Her, no, she, her boyfriend beat somebody. What are you talking?
0: Boyfriend went to my high school. All right, here we go, folks. We're talking about the best craftables. Let's start with the base deck. My first uh, recommendation here is Armourers. Gives me great pleasure to say, Jake.
1: Armourers in battle may discard this to ignore all rolled hits taken. It's one fox, baby.
0: Yeah, so when we're talking about trying to like even the score and trying to get one over on someone else who has better tempo than us, this is just a great thing to do. If not for using it, just to have it crafted as a deterrent um we talked about maybe taking some riskier plays building some infrastructure that's not super defended if we've got armors crafted then we might be able to withstand the offensive hit what do you think kyle
2: i like this yeah i think it's it's more of a visual deterrent than it is a a real one because if you're in a strong position you could just spare an action maybe to go and pop the armors of uh, your opponent but I will say it. It is nice because you can do one of those things where you're like, "Hey, I'm an unappealing target. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs>
0: right, I'm in last place. It's going to take minimum two battle actions to do it. Like, if you're going against the Marquis de Cat, they're not coming after you with mm-hmm. the, their whole turn. Yeah, moving move on, into buddy. Battles. Yeah, 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 move along. Move on. <laughs> All yeah, no, right. I like that. Uh, yeah, next card I got here is Better Burrow Bank. Better Burrow Bank. At the start of Birdsong, you and another player draw a card. So not only are you getting extra cards, which you need, but you're controlling who else gets the card, um, which is usually just, you know, you choose the next worst position player to do Oh,
2: that. no, for the right price. Anybody can have an extra card.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this could be used in the you know the bargaining phase of your grift
2: major uh ammo for the bargaining phase for sure
0: right because that's something that's like somebody's got to get it you have to give it to somebody if somebody gives you a clearing for it if somebody uh
1: chooses to battle somebody else i mean it's worth a card maybe it's also a bit of a heat shifting mechanism if i'm not mistaken right i mean if other people are outraged that you're giving somebody a card then uh they might be looking in other directions yeah, I've
0: seen this used, you know, similar to charm offensive, where somebody's giving the leader a point or a card. I just don't like that. I don't think that's a good idea. Usually, wait,
1: what? What you've seen? What you've seen? Suggestions of that?
0: No, I've seen people
1: do it. Where oh they, well, yeah, that's awful. Who are these people? Well, I N- thought you were. Name I names. thought that's what you were suggesting. Well, no, they should not do that. What? Who, <laughs> who's doing this? The idea is to
2: paint a bigger target on the leader. Right. Early in the game, I can see an argument for it, but not, do it I don't know. Do it with
1: words. Don't do it with cards. <laughs> what are you doing?
2: It's a little cute for me. I don't, I don't yeah, think it's yeah. that, that no, actually strong. Uh,
1: if, if, you, if you subscribe to this line of thought, speak up. Defend oh, I, yourself.
0: I actually uh, did uh, see a sports comeback that's very relevant for this talk. I saw a football team, an American football team, that um, chose to uh, – give them to get a safety they they had their quarterback get tackled to give the other team two points so that they they would get possession yeah so then they could get possession of the ball again but then they like didn't get the onside kick and then the team did a hail mary and they gave away the game uh so i think that that is i it's just like why would you open the door of that possibility because that loss feels worse than a normal loss to me (laughs) you know if you're like, oh, you gave them coins through Better Rural Bank, that's bad, you know. Anything else on Better Rural
1: Bank? No, you. This is a great card. Just, this is a great card. Yeah, <laughs> like I know. You want card. this card anyway? Like, it's gonna yeah. help your comeback. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah,
0: you'll notice the theme of the cards here. Uh, turns out, <laughs> when you're behind, you kind of need the best cards in the game. Oh, so uh, the theme
1: all- is just duh.
0: Yeah, all of these cards are the most <laughs> duh cards, which uh, leads
1: us to our next one.
0: Yep favor of the whatever the foxes the mice or the rabbits jake favor
1: favor of the foxes remove all enemy pieces in fox clearings then discard all enemy pieces if there's one comeback card it's this one <laughs> you know <laughs> if there's a card that's central to anything you do it's this one
0: <laughs> it's it's always good it's always good
1: yeah. It's dynamite if you can light it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well said.
0: I mean it actively like if you're the cats and you got your keep storm turned one, but you got favor of the rabbits, I would I would kill a couple turns setting up some workshops in some rabbit clearings and just being like, "Oh, you're all you will all pay for this."
1: So you know actually, I mean? here's my question about this is like yeah. at, because the cost of this card is so high. It's 3 yeah. of one type. Like, what extent are we gonna go for that? Given that we are behind already, because this is a no duck card, but it's not a no duck cost,
0: right? I this is like one of the only cards. Uh, this maybe coffin makers uh, would be the one I'd be like, all right, I'll turn, I'll take a whole turn on pause to make sure I can get this next turn. Yeah, um, I'll take an inefficient turn to blow up four clearings. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that.
1: I, I will say, like, there have been a few situations where I've I've been. In this spot where like i needed the comeback and had the favor to do so and maybe even had the mechanisms to get the crafting started for it but by the time i did the contents of those clearings had changed to where it was really just like me lighting off a firework in an empty driveway
0: yeah especially if you're the birds right mm-hmm. if you have to have a crafting mm-hmm. piece and yeah. your crafting piece you have, it's a building you have to rule to build it by the time you have three of those clearings, it's like, well, I already have killing? those clearings. Right. right. Uh, cats can kind of like put workshops in one clearing, so you can kind of be, you know, save them up there. Uh, and people, especially if it's rabbits, will be like, oh yeah, they just want the good rabbit cards. Maybe you know they
1: won't be thinking about the favor. <laughs> it was the problem not, is, you're playing with the base deck, and everybody's thinking about the three <laughs> nuclear bombs in the base deck. Right. I think you. I always forget
0: mid game. About those cards. That's kind of valid, actually. If you're
1: coming back as the cats, is your
2: priority to be as low-key as possible about placing that third workshop in the same
1: suited clearing? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, it feels a little obvious. Like, maybe he's going for rabbit cards is not a thought I think a lot of people would have. Yeah. Well, you know, but whatever what, you what got it you do? and like, yeah, no, you, you're right. <laughs> this is, these are dire straits. I'm not criticizing the use of this. I'm just saying like, what's plausible versus like, what right. are we spending our energy on? I do right. think
2: that the caveat of like, don't try to like craft a favor too late in the game and like right. switch up your whole game plan just to accommodate the one card, because that will just take way too long and be mm-hmm. result in, in inefficiency and tears. Yeah.
0: yeah, And tears. All right, uh, that's all I got for the base deck. If I missed anything, let me know. Uh, But we're going to move on to the Exiles and Partisans deck, starting with, uh, you guys won't believe it, Coffin Makers. You guys heard of this one? Oh,
1: this is an interesting choice. Whenever any warriors would return to a supply, place them on this card instead. At the start of Birdsong, you score one point per five warriors here, then return all warriors here to their supplies.
0: Right, it's great to get a
1: steady drip of points,
0: Um, you know, there's going to be a bunch of war in the late game, so it's great to have those points and you're kind of, you can catch up without having to take actions to do so, it's like based on what everyone's doing, which is nice. What I will say is it might hurt your table talk a bit when you start going like, hey, you know, you should really attack Susan. And then they're like, well, you're just saying that because you have coffin makers, you know. <laughs> um, but
2: and you're just like, help know. me.
0: I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still worth crafting, but it you just might have to take different social tactics.
1: Sure. You're incentivizing people to fight always now, right? Like even right. if it doesn't necessarily result in stuff i feel like very few people are really worried when the last person makes coffin makers they they don't really recalculate their warrior usage too much until the points start adding up right so you're gonna get at least a round or two of goodwill on average
0: yeah i would say that's right also this can kind of mitigate like when you're like oh i don't want to lose a bunch of warriors because i'm already behind but if you can get it A point or two in addition to doing a battle that you want to do it can kind of work out a little bit at least it can help cut the losses a bit so yeah i mean of course coffin makers is a good card
1: well and it it's kind of goes back to it's a point generator that's not available otherwise right like whereas the crafting items are so limited this is kind of quote unquote unlimited right uh, and then y'all won't believe that we're gonna recommend this
0: next
2: card. It's called False Orders. <laughs> this would not be a Woodland War Machine episode without recommending <laughs> the crafting of f- False Orders. We're back for
0: season three, and we are talking False
1: Orders. <laughs> I can't wait till we do the new False Orders episode.
0: <laughs> I mean, we probably could do a whole episode on False Orders. This
2: this real. has turned around. This is this has flipped a game on its head. I've seen it happen multiple times. Mm -hmm. One instance of false orders can just completely shake a faction to its core. It can reverse fortunes. Like this card is when deployed skillfully and with good timing, one of the most powerful in the game.
1: It brings the most uh, unforeseen consequences, right? It's like those parts of the plot you can't quite piece out. Well, then someone false orders and you hadn't even realized that was an option. You're like, oh, Well, now the rats aren't there anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, not only are you usually clearing a big stacked clearing out to get to the cardboard, but you're also moving that army somewhere else. And so that can be used to like, hey, I need player two and player three to fight. Well, I'm just going to make it super easy by moving your army there myself, (laughs) you know? Um, So, yeah
1: false orders in birdsong may discard this card to move half of enemy warriors rounded up from any clearing as if you were that player in their life right now (laughs) wearing their clothes ignoring rule and do a little voice do their voice to them
2: hey guys why don't you want to go over into this clearing i'm gonna
1: move my warriors here now (laughs) i'm the badgers (laughs) I <laughs> like <Erlich> stone tablets.
2: <laughs> I'm more of a figurine guy myself. <laughs> um, so the, the, this is a super multi-purpose card. Not only can you evacuate a clearing to soften it up for a future invasion by your own pieces, but you can take somebody's stack of warriors that they are keeping for an end game wrecking ball and just make that a little bit harder. Or give somebody else the opportunity to chop them down to size. The last thing to think about as well is in route, oftentimes the maps incentivize being close to the center. uh, Cause you can just get places quicker, but with false orders, you can take somebody's army and push them to the edge of the map where they will have no impact on the game for the next like turn, unless they have a lot of movement actions. If it's a faction like that, but I think of this card as like the ultimate positional weapon um, and if you are looking to make up points and potentially check the leader uh, having them leave all of their you know, buildings and stuff under defended so you can sweep in and collect those mm, cardboard points uh, it's, it's just a heck of a way to, to flip a game around
0: yeah so we were agreed false
1: orders is a good card <laughs> yeah absolutely it feels like the swing is contingent upon you using it right yeah it's a great swing
2: turn it's a great like first thing to do on a swing turn
0: yep yep all right next up we got league of adventurous mice what's this one about jake
1: once in daylight may exhaust an item in your crafted items box to make a move or initiate a battle as if you were your own player wearing your own clothes But still do the other player's voice. Right? Whoa, I'm a badger. I'm going to make a move. Silver meeples. Uh, yeah, Why are they so... all...
0: They're all old, old men. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they've been in the forest a long time. Uh, League of Adventurous Mice is is great because we hopefully are crafting, right? We talked about how important that's going to be to the comeback. And then this gets us extra actions for doing that. And usually actions that people aren't calculating. A hundred
2: percent. This is the most like undercover action expander card that exists in the game. Everyone forgets that you have it. It's so like peaceful and just like innocuous. And you've got your little like items on your player board like who's checking that no one's checking that uh but this can this can get you all the way across the map this can get you that extra battle you need
1: to take out somebody's stronghold like yeah this is this is a wonderful you say it's peaceful and innocuous but the art is a mouse burning a clearing with (laughs) torches and he's like look has a crazed look in his eye they're adventurous (laughs) those scamps (laughs) just burning down the woodland yeah this is one i forget about all the time i've fallen victim to uh underestimating folks when they have this and not seeing that suddenly oh they could do more battles than i ever calculated
2: there's that moment where they're like um i all right so i exhaust a sword and i'm like what how (laughs) (laughs) oh no
0: (laughs) (laughs) great league of adventures might also it's a cheap card to craft so that's also one mouse
2: come on yeah
0: a card that costs two mice to craft is Master
1: Engravers. Master Engravers, whenever you craft an item, score one extra point.
0: I mean, we talked about how important crafting is, and we're behind in points. Uh, duh, this is great. Is it great enough to set up for, I think is the conversation we want to have.
2: I mean, it's you, you got to go to mouse crafting pieces in order to craft it. Mm-hmm. now granted mouse is a great suit to have crafting pieces in
1: mm-hmm. if
2: you're scoring an extra point for every single mouse thing that you craft right there's a lot of potential points there i think the question is at what point in the game are you crafting it and what is left because if it's if like people have done a fair amount of crafting so far it might not be worth setting up for i think you just gotta it depends on the game and at hand if there's items left
1: go for it can we quantify it? I'm wondering. It's like, because I, I agree. It's a, it's entirely based on, like, what number of crafting points are left, right? So, I mean, I know there's two quantities. There's the item, the number of items left, and then the value of points that are remaining, right? Okay,
2: I'm going to make a just a back-of-the-envelope calculation here. Yeah. If there's at least one T left in the wild, I think it's worth it to craft Master mm-hmm. Engravers. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it worth it to take an inefficient action to set up to craft it?
1: If you have the tea in your hand, yes, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: That's why I'm not sure this master engraver things really is worth it. It's it's so situational that if you're in the situation, then okay, thumbs up, we approve. But like you right. have so many limited options right now in, in our scenarios. Like in, in when we're in this abstract, we are clinging to life and we're making deals to get it done. So it feels like our earlier bargaining of I need to be here. If that also includes us suddenly setting up a ton of crafting. That's just a lot of work and maybe a lot of suspicion at us. It might take too long. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing to keep in mind. It might yeah. take too long.
0: We're already behind on time. Y-
1: you just got to judge it. Well, yeah. you made a good point, Kyle, is like also when in the game, uh, very much based on like what points are left in crafting, but also when is this in the game? How much time is left before it's about to end?
0: Right. Do other people have mouse crafters or crafters that you're hoping to use for items? If you're yeah. if
1: you're if it's really early still when you got hamstrung then it, you're more likely to make use of it.
0: Yeah. 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 If you're gonna have to put a crafting piece somewhere, two mice is pretty good, especially because it has to do with our next card, Marine Broker. Also two mice.
1: Marine Broker. Whenever another player crafts an item, draw
2: a card. Yeah, I like this card a lot, and I actually think that this is maybe a little bit more uh a little bit stronger in the end game than uh master engravers yeah, potentially so. just because it gets towards the end of the game more people have more crafting pieces out more items are getting crafted your card draw is going to go up and this is exactly the time that you need extra cards in hand in order to a get in on the crafting game and be like have you know material to work with mm-hmm. so i i think the card advantage That comes from Marine Broker is like, as your opponents are getting ahead, at least you have a way to, you know, you're benefiting somewhat from that because it's unlikely you're going to be able to fully prevent them from, you know, crafting whatever
1: they want. (laughs) No, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to prevent them. They're, they're in the positions of power. They're going to do what they want. You just need to capitalize on it. And Mm -hmm. this is a good, this is another two mouse, as you, you said. So it's, it's still possible. You need cards to make the unforeseeable foreseen too. Yeah very
2: much. Yeah, one card could be the difference. You could draw false orders, you never know.
1: Right. <laughs> I love that we're just basing these cards on the ability to draw false orders. <laughs> it improves it? the quality of the card. <laughs>
0: All right, and then the last one we got here is swap meat.
1: Swap meat. Once in bird song, take a random card from another player, look them in the eye, then give them a card.
0: Uh usually you'll give them the same card back and say something like, yeah, "Take this ambush." Back. Yeah. Didn't need that. This crap. Um, no, uh, I just thought like swap meet is good because we're cycling through our hand. That's always good. But also, especially when you're behind, maybe getting lucky and taking somebody's good card uh, is definitely going to help you.
2: Yeah, very much. You might even steal a false order from somebody. You know I, mean? <laughs> I mean, again, the false orders
0: ability of this card is through the roof. All right. If false orders index is a 10.
2: Uh, but no, I, I do like this card. It's also a really easy card to craft at one rabbit craft. So yeah. go for it. Um, this is this is nice. It's a, a nice like indirect way to check the leader as well, uh, or anybody who is not working with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, another bargaining chip.
2: Yeah, it adds fuel to your. I've got nothing to lose. I'm gonna take yeah. a random card from your hand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, and th- those are the craftables we have for our comeback. All right, but we've ignored one you could say huge major factor of root.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay? And that's um I guess this game's about uh I don't know, the factions yeah. in the game, yeah. to which we have 10 now. Okay. All right. There are 10 factions in root and we are now going to draft them based on their comeback ability. Oof. Okay? So I'm going to uh randomly I'm going to roll A die. I'm gonna roll a die for Jake. Jake, you got a four. All right. I'm gonna roll a die for Kyle. Kyle, you got a five. I'm gonna roll a die for me. I got a five. Hold on. Sam got a twenty. I got a five again. Hold on. Sam got a five again. Sam, no. (laughs) I'm not joking. I got a five again. You get it? Twenty. Okay. All right, but we're due. We're due. I got a one. Okay. (laughs) Good. 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 I'm glad you understood. All right, so it's going to go Kyle, me, then Jake. Kyle, uh, with the first selection of the comeback draft, who would you like to select? The faction, and let's, let's put some parameters on this, all right? The faction that you feel like can most respond to a comeback. And again, a comeback is it being thoroughly checked and coming back. Okay, so not just Woodland Alliance. Woodland Alliance would be like their ba- a base has been taken out, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, early mm-hmm. on. Or they weren't allowed to revolt and get that early base or something, right?
2: Um, I'm kind of torn between a couple of factions here. I think the one I'm going to go with is the Underground Duchy.
0: Whoa, that's a strong choice, yeah. Kyle. Why did you choose the Underground Duchy for the most comebackable fact?
2: I think because price of failure, which is their uh, punitive mechanism, uh, price of failure means that they will lose their most valuable uh, swayed minister, and in a lot of cases, you're going to be able to sway um, a, a minister that's like a, a shield, right, mm-hmm. like a, a lord. That then lets you hang on to Brigadier and Mare, the kind of core of your actions. So if you know, if you're losing Brigadier from Price of Failure, then that might be a little tough to come back from. But I actually like really believe in the moles to get reestablished after taking a hit.
0: Yeah, I I think that a comeback for the moles would be losing Brigadier or, you know, being significantly hampered. Like you said in your example when you were the moles and had a comeback. But I do I still think it's a good pick in terms of the moles can bounce back. They can they have auto huge generate swings
2: at the end. Warriors, they Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways that they get little um, efficiencies that help them bounce back.
0: And as we saw in like the winter tournament, you can literally take all the moles and put them in your burrow and keep them safe. <laughs>
2: like, I, I did that in an IRL game recently where oh, I, yeah. um, I dug a tunnel. I punched the badgers. I just went back into the tunnel at the end of that turn. <laughs> Whoa,
1: really? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a little strike force. It was awesome. That's interesting.
1: That's great, Jake. Any criticisms of the underground t- duchy as a choice here? No, no, no. I mean, I'm famous for hating its punitive mechanism and thinking it's the worst thing. But like, you know, I, <laughs> I see, I see you're all. I see the point here. I mean, I there. I've I've definitely had a few games where, I, as the duchy, I was hit so hard that I was in this comeback position, and I don't think I ever successfully pulled it out. But it doesn't mean they're not more likely for it. It just feels like the situation you mentioned, which is that you have the shield bureaucrat to uh prevent the loss of your more important ones that is true but it's not always the situation especially if you get here early enough you can kind of get hamstrung of the actions that you are assumed to have by turn three or four that assumption is not there anymore sometimes Mm -hmm. so i feel like unless they really did get started then it actually is kind of a struggle for them to get started again does that make sense
2: it is true. Although I, I do want to add one thing, which is um, in terms of leverage for coming back, I think the moles have you know uh, the potential to have like a warrior count that's mm-hmm. worth considering, uh, which could be useful in a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, with the second overall pick of the comeback draft, uh, I am going to take. The Vagabond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Vagabond obviously is really, really good at coming back from things. We've seen games where the Harrier literally spends half of their turns in the forest and still wins the game. <laughs> um, the fact that you get points for warriors, uh, the fact that like your punitive mechanism is take a turn to heal your entire engine and you're back online... Um, apart from like you know, uh, getting points from aiding factions. If we're talking about like trying to play the social politics of the thing, like I can literally give you fuel to go hit so and so, while still gaining points in the meantime. Gotta love the vagabond's ability to bounce back. But I'm I'm open to hearing any uh, any
1: criticism of this pick. I was assuming this was going to be the first pick. Like yeah, me too. This guy is known for being hit three times and you just counting them out. And then suddenly he just had 12 points. And you're like, what, (laughs) what the hell just happened? Yeah. Kyle's done it to us. Uh,
0: I will say, I think the only thing that hurts this pick is the fact that it is the vagabond and that your social game is like, guys, look at the rest of them. They're like, you're the vagabond. Right. Um,
1: But people can't really interfere with you too much. That's the thing is the turn when you pop
2: out of the forest is so you're just so blissfully free, you know. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> no one can touch you. You just do whatever you feel like. That's the thing is, like you, you're you can't be interfered with in general. I mean, obviously you can be hit if you are at where they are. <laughs> and then you determine that more often than they do. Uh, so it just makes them more able to do what they want. So even ignoring all the very valid things you said about their abilities and their point scoring and mechanisms, it's just the fact that they're kind of unhindered in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. yeah the vagabond unquestionably i guess do you have a for a hot take since i think this is an obvious choice is that the vagabond should be high do you have a particular vagabond you think is the most comebackable i guess the harrier Mm
0: -hmm. probably the movement alone yeah yeah i think i think the main thing that's gonna make it hard if you're gonna go slashing and checking everybody is that
1: hostile movement restriction and harrier just glides away from that Yeah, we read the cards, so I might as well read Harrier for you. Uh, Glide, which is a torch move once. uh, Excuse me. Move to any clearing, even hostile, on the map without exhausting any boots. And as a reminder, hostile clearings usually require dos butos? Two boots, right?
0: An extra boot.
1: An extra boot. Yes. All right.
0: Yep. All right. That's the Vagabond. Jake, who you p- choosing with your first you pick? You took
1: mine. Here. I was like, he's going to take Vagabond because that's what I'm going to take. And that's what he <laughs> should take. He should. Yeah, this is absolutely right. So now I'm actually, this is where I'm kind of stuck a little bit. Yeah,
0: I think it gets really interesting.
1: Here. I, I'm going to say an interesting faction knowing that I think it can be easily countered, but I, I, I think it still has the ability. I'm going to say the River Folk Company.
0: Oh, that would have been my choice too. I think that's a good choice. Just
1: because they can talk themselves into an engine if they, if they <laughs> play it right. And th- that's what most of what we've been discussing today is, is, is table talks the most influential part of all your machinations at this point. And who better to talk than the sales otters? Mm-hmm. And when they're behind People are feeling like it's okay to buy Yes, mm-hmm. yes They're almost incentivized to utilize The uh, the otters Because if just they do it Then it won't really be a problem And they'll get the edge they need to win But if enough people keep it going Then the otters are back I mean where the, where the counter to this obvious Is that they can easily be shut out Which is obviously their Achilles heel But in a scenario where we're in comeback land I'm assuming that's not the case
0: yeah i think this is like the perfect scenario for the otters is a, a situation where you're beat down early also usually when people hit the otters it's really costly because you're the thing to check them is to remove their big otter ball right well that costs a lot of battle actions and you don't gain a lot of points from that maybe one if they had a trade post yeah <laughs> kyle any any thoughts on
2: this pick here of the Riverfolk company I, I think it's a really good pick. This is this is one that I would have gone with, for sure. All right, uh,
0: Jake, you have the next pick. We're snake drafting here. I mean, uh, s- this hasn't helped me. I'm still in turmoil. And you can't choose the snake faction because it doesn't exist. Hmm. I know well, there's a snake fan faction.
1: Fangus Khan, that's right. Fangus Khan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know we're getting as we're going to get further down on this list it's going to be a lot more specific scenarios like what is this faction at where a comeback is even possible right because like woodland alliance i i would would normally not put very high in my draft ideas but if you guys are just saying if you just lose a base that's assuming there's plenty of sympathy still around in my scenarios when a woodland alliance is hamstrung i just feel like they have almost no presence on the board much less any warriors Sorry, I'm, I'm circumv- circumnavigating an answer here. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to say I'm, I'm, I'm heavily considering the Woodland Alliance, but I just don't know about their reliability in this scenario. So I'm going to instead change it up. Well, no, I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit and say the Woodland Alliance.
0: Okay. All right. Woodland Alliance. I think that's decent. Yeah, I'm back
1: and forth on it. Like
0: uh, I can see it beat either way yeah. the, f-
1: the followers aspect is so dependent upon other people making moves where you have sympathy and i feel like if you're in a comeback situation you aren't generally have a lot of you don't have generally have a lot of sympathy and as we saw in kyle's winner game once you're hamstrung as the alliance you're really hamstrung i know i'm fighting against my own thoughts here but like at the same time we've seen plenty of non-presence alliance suddenly pop out of nowhere and start taking cardboard left and right and then they can't be dealt with because of um I almost said uh jungle tactics. Guerrilla warfare. <laughs> jungle tactics. It is Warfare. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: yeah I I hear you. I I understand why it's scary. I, I we've all played an alliance game where we've been pretty shut out of things. Yeah. Where martial law is heavily considered. Um I think that's people probably over policing the little Alliance are over setting up against them. What I like about the alliances comeback ability is their crafting ability. Um, if we're talking about crafting a favor of the foxes, if we're talking about crafting coins, false orders, any of these things can happen. Yeah. Um, without a whole turn of setup, like yes. the cats or the crows or something. So yeah, the that's only true.
2: thing, the only point I'll make fighting against that is that their scoring method also leaves cardboard Yes. Yeah. it around or opponents point. to stay in the lead.
1: I, su- I suppose that's why I want a more specific scenario when we're talking about this for the Woodland Alliance because it's just so dependent. Because like, both, both they have no chance and both, ooh, they really have a chance, happens as often as the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. I'm not, I, uh, I can be swayed off of this choice. All right.
0: Well, with my second choice, I am choosing the keepers in iron oh okay Uh, I feel like we've seen a lot of it's always that the keepers like oh yeah yeah no keepers are done there's no badgers it's all done and then the player discards three cards and all of a sudden there's six badgers and then they're moving and then they're attacking and they've delved and they've recovered and it's like whoa I thought we just spent all of last turn dealing with them and then now they it looks like nothing happened uh, that's particularly when their retinue is really full of cards because that's the thing you want to affect, but uh, your opponents can't really do much to affect that other than putting you in a bad position to like use the cards and discard them. Uh, so I think that keepers and iron are, are good at uh, looking like they've been hit or even being hit and bouncing back pretty resiliently almost too resiliently
2: yeah they like to surge from a kind of like minimal kind of place uh or at least that is possible and yeah that one badger out on the map that just turns into a way station and then suddenly there's a billion of them (laughs) yeah 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 yeah
1: just like i thought it was okay to leave them alone it was not so i was considering these guys but i have i have seen plenty of games where like where when they were hamstrung, they were done in a way where they had to be moved across the board away from the relics they had remaining. Mm-hmm. And because their way station flipping and movement is so lethargic, for lack of a better term, <laughs> I felt like they were almost denied a comeback by just geography. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's also situational, but I, I found that to be a hindrance is their 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 inability to get the way stations immediately where they wanted them was enough of a slowdown
0: yeah i i think that it feels similar to the woodland alliance right like it's like some games it just feels like oh there's warriors everywhere where you need to be um
1: well they're also kind of like the birds where they're 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 ball they're rolling ball of a path once it gets interrupted or even fully stopped and removed from the map it's a significant hurdle to get the momentum going again yeah, that's true.
0: It does remind me, actually, the like, you know, the mechanism where it's like, if all badgers are removed, then you can choose anywhere to start is actually really great for yes. the badgers. Yes, <laughs> that's like a great situation to be in. But, but
1: you've but... highlighted in our our own badger guide against them is like, let them have something in a disadvantage or in an awful yeah. place. Let let one badger live, the poor bastard, amidst no relics he needs.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also a way the keepers and iron can get totally soft locked yeah. out of the game yeah. like that that is also possible and so. that's true for woodland alliance as well they could just yeah. no yeah. more sympathy and probably kyle's next pick too if i'm gonna predict what are you gonna pick kyle
2: um uh, my next pick is gonna be the eerie dynasties yeah that's I what that i thought they are the quintessential comeback kings
0: oh yeah i mean they're the ones <laughs> they're the only ones who lose points so, <laughs> if you want, if you want an underdog, you know, built
2: for collapse, right? Yeah, uh, they uh, are a very resilient faction because of their ability to recruit and get out on the map. That's just like what their bread and butter. They get warriors and they go do stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you're trying to get back into a game, it's important to have some material at your disposal and some ability to impact the board. Goes a long <laughs> way when you're trying to like. Make a negotiation or like implement some plan to like score points, uh, and I, I think that your dynasties is a great way to do that. And usually, if they've turmoiled, you've had enough turns to kind of curate your hand somewhat, um, or at least have some card draw going. And just because you turmoil doesn't mean you've lost all your roosts either. And turmoiling early can be bad, but that does mean that going into the end game you're going to have a larger decree. So it can kind of Go both ways. Um, I would say the worst case scenario is you hit the like late mid game in turmoil, and then you just don't have enough time to put cards in the decree to like mm-hmm. do anything. So I I would say if they get set back early in the game in turmoil, um, there's a pretty strong chance that they'll come back.
1: It's pretty funny that we got this far down in the drafting process before we named the faction that literally is built on coming back from disaster. Yeah. <laughs> they should have been called the Phoenixes. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> Email Cole right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'm, I was trying to figure out my hesitation for not bringing them further up because I did think about them early on because... The, the, all they do is come back, right? But mm-hmm. I guess what stopped me is that, that whole ball rolling thing we just talked about where uh, they kind of need to, to snowball, and they, they're they're able to generate it in multiple times in a game situationally. But they, like the Badgers, can also be locked out, and people are smart to just move away and deny them the things they need in that very fragile decree. Uh,
0: another reason why I like this pick is that when you do turmoil, you get to choose a leader that has an ability right and you can like assess the situation at that time do i need charismatic because i don't have a lot of birds on the board and that's how i'm going to come back or do i choose commander because there's a lot of stuff i can break through to get cardboard points mm cardboard <laughs> right uh so i think this obviously is a good pick i didn't know there would be six good picks i thought we'd be like debating <laughs> this more at this point but i can't help but think this is good all right Kyle your last pick, what's it going to be?
2: This is the toughie. This is the toughie. Yeah, I,
0: it's going to be I bad here. Truly, One faction gets unchosen.
2: I truly don't know uh, which of the remaining factions is best at coming back. I,
1: it's the least worst at coming back now. At this point. <laughs> the Lord of the Hundreds is going to be. Yeah, yeah. I yeah.
2: thought
0: that.
1: I mean, he does respawn. That's pretty because, nice. Because
2: there are a couple of ways to kind of regenerate some forces like lavish and bitter as well, that even if your warlord is slain uh, and you don't get the recruit from that and have to anoint, you know, a rando to become the warlord. I, there there are still a couple of avenues for which to regenerate forces to go out and do stuff on the map. Cause I, I think the Lord of the Hundred succeeds when, it's able to actually like impact what's going on on the board. Uh, and th- they have a couple of like minor ways to build up strength that I think would be really valuable in a comeback scenario.
1: Yeah. I have no contest of that, I guess. Why, why is he where he is on the list? Is it because it's dependent upon him having some of those cards ready, <laughs> like and actually usable, it's, I just think it's a scoring tempo thing right. if yeah. you're behind
2: in your scoring tempo the Lord of the Hundreds scores on a pretty regular pace couple of points a turn it, it can very quickly become the case that there's just not enough time realistically left in the game for you to make your way back
0: it's also a hard sell to be like hey y'all need to like start moving and battling each other and they're like <laughs> you're the Lord of the Hundreds <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> If you're down in warriors, then it's really tough. If you're down in cards, it's tough. Yeah, if you just don't get out to a good start, it's hard to come back with the Lord of the Hundreds. It really is. Yeah. All of these, uh, the last four factions, are. it's a tough road. <laughs> Did you, you know?
1: say one's going unpicked because we're only doing three each? Right, right. 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 One will be the... Biggest loser when it comes to comebacks. The and least I,
0: comebackable. The least comebackable. And I know it's going to be between two because I have the next pick. All right, here we go. With my last pick, I am choosing. You guys have predictions about what I'm going to choose? Uh, I assume uh, you're going to do I think you're going go with the Corvids. Yeah, I am going with the Corvids. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that they are not a good comeback faction. They are one of the most easily stoppable factions ever, um, however, kind of what they need is to be forgotten about. So it kind of plays into the tactics. Like if we're talking about like, Ooh, playing from behind and doing all this stuff, a Corvid player already knows how to do That's this. True. You know, <laughs> they've been doing this the whole time anyway, uh, which kind of makes it like, if you get checked as the Corvids, it's like even harder to come back from. So this is why it's a, a bottom three choice for sure. But Decent crafting. You craft first thing, uh, so it can be surprising what you, I guess you have to telegraph it ahead of time. But, like, you know, that move where it's like somebody plays false, crafts false orders and then immediately uses it, where you're like,
1: what? <laughs>
0: um, so, there's a couple of those. And I think that people will forget about you, let you flip for a bunch of points, and maybe you can get into contention. I don't mm-hmm. know.
1: It's so hard. Like, it takes so long to get the plots going. It takes yeah. so freaking long, especially when you have no crows around to, mm-hmm. like, let them be unharassable, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if in terms of making your own luck, I do think the Corvids are pretty good at that. I just think that they are, their warriors are trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to score points, you can't impact the board very much. And if you want to impact the board at all, you can't score points. Yeah. And so, as you you really are banking on people just kind of forgetting that you exist and like leaving you alone. In some <laughs> it's cases, only that yeah. is totally what happens. I just think that the um, easy mistake to make is to try and be be too overt mm-hmm. with the covert
1: faction.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, they the, the fact that they can recruit the way they do, where they go to four clearings, right of a suit that's that's right. why they're at the top of the bottom i think because they
2: have I the option to useful. get to places
1: oh absolutely I can, yeah
2: i can see them setting up a swing turn yeah
1: it's oh yeah kind of easier for them than a lot of other players or a lot of other factions to set up at least because they have that flexibility of deployment i mean what we talked
0: about and making a comeback is very similar to what we talked about in the corvids guide the issue here is that if we're going with the premise of they've been checked already beyond just like...
1: being their own factions, <laughs> right? Right. Already. You're the core You're checked, checked by the rules, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's called exposure.
0: That's your biggest check. Yeah. All right, Jake. Uh who are we going to take and who are we going to crown the least comebackable faction.
1: Yeah, these are both a real struggle when you think about <laughs> yeah. dire situations for them. I think I'm going to choose the Lizard Cult.
0: I don't blame you for either choice. For sure. Yeah,
1: I think most of my reasons lie on why the Marquise is such a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll always talk about the Lizard Cult. I mean, They generate a lot of sympathy at the table when they are uh, hamstrung, for one thing, in a social situation, Um, and that's generally going to work for you. They also have the craziness of Lost Souls, which really can be a roulette table or a roulette wheel of options in terms of uh, plotting a comeback and getting clever. Everything else is vulnerable, but unlike the cats, they don't have to really set up a specific blueprint uh, of of connected clearings. They can kind of exist in a couple different sp- places and re h- footholds around the map and kind of be left alone ideally. That's not something that cats can do. And so if, if left to their own devices to some extent and working with the table to ensure Lost Souls at least kind of goes their way, and that's an easy thing to talk people into because what are the lizards going to do? They just lost three cards. Then you might be able to find a way back into relevance.
0: <sighs> yeah. It's tough. It's a tough call between. I mean, I'm trying two to convince
1: myself sure. as I say it, you guys,
0: I think arguments for the lizards is like the idea that when people kill your warriors, they become acolytes and then
1: get you special powers. Uh, I guess that's cool. I mean, I'm assuming if you have a lot of acolytes, you're not really too hamstrung at that point. Right.
0: I don't, if if people take away your gardens, yes. Like, I think we talked about this, like how many lizards have to die for you to get two gardens If the outcast is not hated, it's six. And that's to have two undefended gardens. So it's like, unless there's a lizard massacre, which, again, is bad, (laughs) then you can't really rebuild. You really have to wait till it's hated, and then it's only four, and then you, you know... Then you still... You can't recruit with acolytes. You can only convert. So now you're talking about going into enemy territory to put these gardens down. Anyway, lizards are tough for that. I think what... Also makes it tough is like you're going to get acolytes and then everyone's going to go, hold on, we have to make the, the outcast rabbit so that you can turmoil the birds. And you're like, I need points. I'm not going to turmoil the birds. You know what I mean? You have to really put in those when we talk about denial and I'm not going to help. Everyone assumes that the lizards are going to help at some point And. If you're behind,
1: you can't. Well, I feel like there's a lot of street credit with them about saying, I literally can't help because of lost souls. Like, you can always <laughs> I mean, whine about fair. that. Like, that's the thing. I, I guess that's maybe that's why I lean towards them more, is also just the social yeah. aspect, which I didn't get into. You know, they right th- everybody kind of feels sorry for them in their situation. They have a lot of excuses as to why they can't get stuff done. Yeah, 100%. You need to hit so and so. And like, why aren't you helping? I'm, I'm the lizard. Lizards, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love using that. It's one of my favorite things to say in Route.
2: The thing I like about them is they... If it's like in the middle of a game, there will be a chance to read the board and find those little nooks and crannies that aren't populated and kind of like restart the cult yes. in those places. Yes. You know, find the shadows of the board and start there. Which again is not a luxury that the cats have. They have to go to the center <laughs> where everyone else is. Right? Yeah, they like the crows
1: and... can get where they need to a little bit differently. You know? Yeah,
2: so in th- in that sense, it's like you are... At least in theory a little bit maneuverable potentially depending on how dug in you were at the clearing that got trampled. Yeah. I, I think, I think in, in terms of scoring tempo, it's the same problem as the Lord of the hundreds, which mm-hmm. is if you get two turns
1: behind, mm-hmm.
2: I mean, the game just has to go on longer Yeah, for you to have a chance. That,
1: and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like with, with the comeback of the lizards, it's, it's the most drawn out game for you to be subsisting through probably. <laughs> right. Cause there's no other way you're getting and you or you have to get the table to fight itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. That's the only play. <laughs> Hopefully you made coffin makers and are profiting off of
1: it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I hope you made coffee. It's going to be a long game. that oh, That <laughs> too. too. <laughs> so Should we all talk about why Marquise is the worst or what?
0: Yeah. Kyle would Marquise be the last on your list.
2: Um, I think I would put the Lizards last on my personal list just because I'm fond of the Marquis in a personal uh, sense. But it'd be number nine. But it'd be number nine because, again, the linear scoring is a millstone for this faction in terms of coming back from the dead. Uh, The other thing is that their comeback mechanic for their warriors is field hospitals right but the main punitive mechanism we're talking about is like getting the keep stormed right so you lose that ability you can't regenerate your forces as efficiently you're stuck just trying to recruit them one at a time uh from your recruiters and you know usually if your keep has been sacked uh you've lost a very valuable connecting clearing you're going to have to reestablish that which means you're going to have to go head to head with somebody who just overpowered you (laughs) yeah immediately without field hospitals So, your dwindling forces will get even more dwindly. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, I I, I just, in every scenario where the cats fall behind, they fall further behind before they can regain some foothold.
0: Yeah, even if we're talking about a scenario where, like, what, a couple sawmills are taken out, it's like, well, that's huge too. Like, apart from field hospitals, like, let's say you keep the keep, but you don't have two sawmills, like, that sucks that takes forever to get back online because you know what you need for sawmills wood you know what you don't have wood because you don't have any sawmills or
1: maybe you don't even have a connection to the wood that you have anymore that's that's the other part is like they can just interrupt your momentum just by standing in the way (laughs) <laughs> like that's the freaking worst. It's like, well, we rule here now, so we're sitting on this log. It's like, no, I I built that, and what do you mean? Well, we're gonna we're gonna destroy it and get points. That's the other thing is so much of what they need to build is cardboard. Yeah. Like, ugh, people are gonna come after you no matter what. They have every right to. You're the cat. I know, and you're building more cardboard. And not
2: that they need another point to their detriment, but the cats are notoriously poor crafters. Yeah. So one of the avenues to come back into the game is like pretty limited so
1: nay the bulk of this episode is irrelevant to them
0: <laughs> i i do think that cats are probably the one the hardest to come back from it cats and lizards i, w- I accept any answer between those two but i it does
2: feel like it. there's a lot of
1: feedback loops that just <laughs> injure the cats in terms of coming <laughs> yeah. back for sure they can't move and protect it all and and build it back up it's just too much uh, but it, but listeners, if you have comeback cat stories, especially ones where really you were pretty uh, hamstrung, definitely want to hear them. Yeah, I want to hear
0: keepless wins. Yeah. That's what I want to
1: hear. <laughs> I mean, th- those outliers exist for sure, so I, I definitely want to oh, hear yeah. about them.
0: Let me know. All right, and just to review our lists, and I want the Wimmies to vote on which list they think is best, okay? Between the comebackable factions, Jake has the Riverfolk Company, the Woodland Alliance, and the Lizard Cult. I have the Vagabond, Keepers in Iron, and the Corvid Conspiracy. And Kyle drafted the Underground Duchy, the Eerie Dynasties, and the Lord of Hundreds. Oh. So wave in. Sam's is the best. Yeah, oh, mine is the yeah, best. You won. I played to win.
1: Yours is so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I was also in the middle. I don't know if that you kind of got shafted on the snake draft yeah trick, yeah if
1: i'm gonna be real yeah i'm also not really strong on that woodland alliance pick but yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, the yeah. vagabond uh, is so good
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weigh in wimmies and if you're just listening to this and don't know how to weigh in well then let me tell you to join the good time society discord under the woodland war machine channel we have conversations all the time about root we are organizing digital games on the app uh, there's a whole thread about how I still believe in that Monte Carlo thing. I'm betting on red every time we are ha- organizing games. I'm hoping to do some more TTS games to get these three losers back up to speed on our favorite game. And so if you want to do that, please join the good times society discord. We also have a Patreon. Jake, give us some info on that Patreon. Well,
1: at patreon.com slash Society, you can support all the wonderful things we do here, including, obviously, Woodman War Machine. We also have uh, full videos and ahead of schedule releases of To Boldly Watch, our Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. We also uh, produce some behind-the-scenes content from all the many videos we make. And we also have a channel on the discord for patrons only but we barely use it and i'm gonna that's one of my new year's resolutions here in october to start using it more so i'm working on it
0: well no it was it, it was just rosh hashanah jake so there you it go. Is new year all right yeah you know as long as you my know jewish resolution if you're one of the chosen people happy new year
1: <laughs> shalom uh,
0: shalom <laughs> um Shalom. Shalom. That's what one of the lizards says if, <laughs> on
1: Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> it just like that.
0: Thank you so much, Wimmies, uh, for your uh, uh, continued listening of the show. We're off for a while. Or if you're a new Wimmy, you've noticed no time has passed. Uh, and thank you for continuing to listen. It's been great to come back to the show. We really appreciate it. And I think without further ado, it's time to do something we haven't done in a long time. It's rude! It's rude. And that, that transitions right into the second stage, which is anger. You know? Um, you're you're going to want to show some sass here, okay? Let the table know that their actions...
1: Wait, did I already say that? Yeah, you read this. Oh, I thing. read anger when yeah, I was reading bit. denial. You we were doing it so smoothly. I was like, I don't see this in denial, but it's so fluid. Shit.
0: All right, wow. here we go. Here we go. Sorry. Let's talk about Denial. Okay, we're denying help from the board. Use as much of that as you can. All right.
1: <laughs> Just plug this in, too. <laughs> Just plug it all in. Sam, you're currently in denial about my audio editing skills. <laughs>